Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning. This is your host, Joanne Quinn Smith, host of Author, Author, Shine Out Loud, also known as the Techno Granny. Get your coffee, put down your paper and your iPad, and meet an author. Find out what makes them tick, feel, emote, write, succeed. Ask the questions you always wanted to ask an author right here. This is the author's chance to shine out loud and not just on the pages of his or her book. This morning we have a very exciting uh, author uh, with a second-time book, Dana McCucci. And I forgot to ask you, Dana, is that the right way to pronounce it? That's exactly right, Joanne. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, sono italiano, so perhaps that's why I did it right. Uh, Dana McCucci has enjoyed a decades-long career as a widely published journalist and author writing about culture, travel, and spirituality. She is the author of a new novel, The Third Views, Third Muse, an international art world mystery inspired by Renaissance ideals and the divine feminine teachings of the Magdalene Order. Her last book, Sojourns of the Soul, One Woman's Journey Around the World and Into Her Truth, was a gold winner in the 2013 Nautilus Book Awards. She has a private healing practice and conducts transformational talks and workshops nationwide. Now, if you're listening in and uh, as you're listening and you want to get information, so that you might be able to ask questions or perhaps email Dana later on after the show, you can go to DanaMicucci.com. That's D-A-N-A and capital M-I-C-U-C-C-I.com. So let's talk about, first of all, the main themes, uh, Dana. Welcome, and I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Joanne. Let's talk about the main themes of the third muse. Yes. Well, um, the third muse, was such a long labor of love, Joanne. I, I honestly can't believe I started this book in um, Paris as a young writer about 25 years ago, believe it or not. And this, was, this book's been in my life longer than any of my other books. It's my fifth book and my first novel. And uh, I was, as a, a longtime journalist in the New York art world, I wrote a lot about the art scene and culture. And as you mentioned, I also expanded into travel and spiritual and social issues. Well, when I first started writing this book uh, in this garret on the left bank of Paris, I was so thick in the uh, art world, and I wanted to write a, a very entertaining, exciting mystery about a stolen painting. And even at that time, you know, we, that was before laptops, so I wrote it on legal pads. If you could oh, imagine. my goodness. Now, let me ask you this. Did you, had you ever written a mystery before? No, I had not. <laughs> no. And so in the meantime, though, as the years passed, I wrote a number of nonfiction books that were published by mainstream publishers. And then you mentioned Sojourns of the Soul, which, which was the book that came out before The Third Muse. And that was a memoir, a travel, spiritual travel memoir, a kind of a la eat, pray, love, but much, much deeper uh, into the world's wisdom traditions. And I was writing that book anyway when hers came out. So, <laughs> But um, this 
turned out, and it was really interesting because I kept putting it aside, The Third Muse, the novel, as, as I was working on other books and publishing them and making my living as a freelance journalist in New York City. Um, <clears throat> I would, you know, revise it and then put it away and then take it out. And as I grew, and I'm sure a lot of authors will tell you this, you know, your work changes. So then I would pull it back out and say, wait a minute, this isn't really where I am right now. And I would add I have to write this all over again. (laughs) (laughs) That's the pain of being an author that rereads your, that's what you get for reading your own stuff. (laughs) For reading your own, right. (laughs) And then I was also, and that's what led to the publication of Sojourns of the Soul, One Woman's Journey Around the World and Into Her Truth. I had the great privilege as a journalist to travel the world and so I would just choose a lot of exotic, far-flung uh, locales that I wanted to visit, and then I would sell the story to my editors, often to their arched eyebrows, you know, well, what, what on earth are you going to cover in Bali? So, so uh, let me but, ask you this. We didn't cover this in the notes that you gave me. What are some of the, uh, uh, of the uh, uh, magazines? Uh, um, oh, sure. Uh, that, the that, magazines that, and newspapers I wrote for, I, I'm phasing out of um, – journalism now i'm spending more time writing books and doing speaking engagements but for many years i wrote for the international herald tribune for the chicago tribune i wrote for the woman news section and i got to meet and interview a lot of really fascinating well-known people like tony morrison and doris lessing as far as authors go and twyla tharp the choreographer i interviewed his highness the aga khan marianne williamson and I was a young writer in New York at that time, so that was really exciting. And I also wrote for the New York Times and for um, – I even had, I believe, one article in the Pittsburgh Press. <laughs> when that? Pittsburgh uh, Press, was, probably. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Press, a long time. So Doesn't a lot of the Boston anymore. Globe, a lot of newspapers, and then also major magazines like Town & Country, Architectural Digest, House Beautiful, Veranda, uh, art and antiques, uh, spirituality and health, um, Harper's Bazaar. I mean, so you are you are prolific um, uh, as far as being published as an as a journalist. So let you know, so uh, interesting. We talk like to the story and message of the muse, but let me right. let me ask you this: There is a character in here. I haven't read the book yet, uh-huh. um, uh, but there's a character, Giovanna uh, Tambuoni. And I actually know Tambuoni. Tambuoni. So, uh, is is this is this character even vaguely uh, based on anybody you know or anyone historically? No. Uh, okay, it's vaguely based on Giovanna, and perhaps your Italian is better than mine. I, I Giovanna. Well, that's Tornavani. my name, Joanne. Is Giovanna in uh, Giovanna? Giovanna okay. in uh, in Italian. Giovanna, <laughs> and and this woman's name is Tornabuoni. Um, and so she was an historical figure, yes, a Florentine noblewoman of the um, wealthy Tornabani family who lived at the time of Lorenzo de' Medici in the high renaissance of uh, Florence. So this portrait, she is at, you asked me about the themes, and I know, kind of skipped over that, so I'll go into that too, Joanne, when I'm talking about Giovanna. The portrait of Giovanna Tornabani, which... Uh, is a real painting. It does exist. It's hanging in the Thyssen-Born Mesia collection in Madrid. It was painted by the Renaissance master Domenico Ghirlandaio in 1488. So when I first saw, I believe, an image of this painting came across my desk. When I first moved to New York, I worked briefly as a publicist for Christie's, the International Art Auction House. Um, And that was 
kind of you know really a so Giovanna came off of the came off of the canvas and spoke to you spoke that you wanted to be that you wanted to be immortalized in your in your book somehow because that, that was many years ago and I was mesmerized by the portrait and I had this connection and so then I basically constructed this whole story around of course from my imagination the mystery of the stolen portrait of Giovanna Tornabani let me add that that did not happen in real life the as far as I know, the portrait hangs in this museum. So this is not historical fiction. So let's get that straightened out yes, for, for our fiction, listeners. But let's talk about the Magdalene Order. The yes. Magdalene Order, in fact, did exist. It, yes, it did. And that is, to get back to your original question, one of it's the kind of simultaneous things, with the stuff written about in the, in the earlier part of the Da Vinci Code. Ah, yes. Um, people have asked, so was this kind of an offshoot of the Da Vinci Code? No, not really. Again, I was, I was writing this book for 25 years. In the, in the meantime, um, the Da Vinci Code came out. If this book could be as successful, I would be thrilled. Now, he um, did talk about the alternative uh, theories about Mary Magdalene being Jesus' wife and um, at their lineage and the Holy Grail, and that was all very fascinating. I go, um, I would say, more deeply into the mysteries of the Magdalene Order. This is based on my own experience, Joanne, um, as part of my travels around the world to sacred sites, mainly. I went to... So you're um, dealing with, when we say mysteries, you're saying mystical mysteries. Yes, mystical. Okay, yes, so I, there's a wee different, the difference like, like, to, the, to the audience, and I, I, I got this immediately, some may not. And when you, we're not talking about murder mysteries. We're not talking about, we're talking about the mystical mysteries. For instance, if, if you're a Catholic, um, there are, uh, I, I forget now, maybe tw- uh, tw- there's the mysteries of the rosary, okay? Yes. Right. Yes, good clarification, Joanne. So when I went to the south of France, and this, is, um, this will be a springboard to tell you how the book changed and transformed over time. So in, uh, I believe it was in 2011, I went to the south of France on a pilgrimage to the sites where Mary Magdalene supposedly visited and spent time teaching and healing and preaching after she fled the Holy Land after the crucifixion. This is the alternative history that um, Dan Brown puts forth in the Divinity Yes, we Code. do forget that Mary Magdalene was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and throughout history, it's probably true. No one's ever said this out loud. Well, they have said it out loud, but it's never uh-huh. been um, uh, documented, not documented, but documented that uh, that a lot of the women were just systematically edited out of the Bible. Yes. Exactly. And there is actually a Gospel of Mary Magdalene, Joanne. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Sure. Um, And that is a very mystical text. And there have been, uh, uh, how should we say, some things have survived throughout history where, you know, she was supposedly the, quote, favored disciple. And she was the one uh, to whom he appeared first. In his ascension process, she was the first disciple to see him in his life. Of course, body. in the Da Vinci Code, they're trying to say that that was not John next to him, but Mary Magdalene. Yes, exactly. In the picture of the Last Supper. Right. So I went to, because I've always just had a heart connection to the Christian mysteries, as you define them, outside of the realm of organized religion. Um, not making any judgments about that, but my spiritual path is taking me taken me so far me either so we're not making judgments here to anybody that's listening to us yeah. and wants to call us out we're just talking <laughs> i'm right i'm talking about my own personal experience um, 
so I went to the south of France and went to um, Saint-Marie-de-la-Mer, where she supposedly landed in a boat with some of the disciples from the Holy Land, and then also to St. Maximum, the Basilica, where her relics are um, <clears throat> in a sarcophagus there, and to the cave uh, in near Aix-en-Provence in Le Saint-Baume Mountains, where she supposedly spent a lot of time teaching and preaching and was in meditation in this cave. I, was yeah. was this was this an inspiration to, to you for writing this yes. book? And did you draw did you yes. draw research from there also? I did. Let, let's go go. Okay, we talk good about that, but I, we've got a lot to get in yes. in a half an hour. Um, I, I want to talk about the uh, this particular. You talk about this being two women, uh, um, six centuries apart. Um, and uh, how that relates to the audience for the third muse. Right. Well, yes. Um, the two women, so I, I haven't mentioned yet that my other main heroine, who uh, really carries the story, is Lena Leone, who is a young New York journalist, about 28 years old, um, and she is given the assignment of a lifetime to uh, go to Europe and investigate the mystery of the stolen portrait of Giovanna Trinabani. Well, Lena then gets way in deeper than she ever imagined. Um, there, is, there are all of the great elements of a good mystery fiction story, as well as, and she, she gets herself in many dangerous situations, and she's cavorting with some of the seamy underside of the international art world and dealers and collectors. And, um, and what happens, though, along the way is that she begins to connect deeply with Giovanna, the woman in the portrait, who is a character herself. And I have flashbacks to the Renaissance recreating from my imagination, with some historical details for sure, the life of Giovanna Turnabani. Now, is, you say I. Okay, now, that's my going to be our next question. Yeah. Is Lena in any way autobiographical? Uh, well, you know, I... I as every author does, I certainly drew upon my own experience as a New York art journalist, that's for sure, and that whole world, because I was so immersed in it. And I was, however, never sent out to investigate the mystery of a stolen painting. But, yes, there are elements from my lifetime as a young journalist. You know, I'm 54 now, so that was a long time ago. And Lena is um, 28 in the story. So... <clears throat> I don't know. I can remember. I'm 65, and I can remember 28 like it was yesterday. Oh, can you? Okay. <laughs> well, sometimes you're right. Yeah, sometimes you're right. That's true. Do you and, know? But 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 the 28 is colored by the wisdom of another 30 or 40 years. I get it. Now that is that's a great way to put it, right? Yeah. So Giovanna. Anyway, when you asked how the audience for this book, I really wrote the book to empower women. Both of these characters, Giovanna herself becomes a character, and she reaches out to Lena through time and becomes her spiritual guide. Giovanna is schooled in the mysteries of the Magdalene Order. So Lena had no clue when she started out to investigate the stolen painting that she would be taken through seven different initiations, all of which wound up taking her deeper and deeper into her heart until she had a major... Well, this all sounds very exciting. And you know, interestingly enough, uh, even though this is an international show, we we we, uh, mm-hmm. we interview authors from all around the world, and and we have international fans on this mm-hmm. show. Um, this show is being broadcast right now from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Dana is, and we announced her upcoming event on our show. Uh, yes, on my Positively Pittsburgh Live show yesterday, but Dana is a Pittsburgh native and 
also uh, a New York journalist. Now, you 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 don't live in New York now, or you do? Uh, no, Joanne. I uh, relocated. For, I was in New York for about 22 years, and then I relocated four years ago to Taos, New Mexico. Um, New oh Mexico my. was always one of my favorite sanctuaries and escapes from the city. So, and, I, and warmer? Is it warmer there? <laughs> it, it, well, when I left to come, I'm in Pittsburgh right now, and when I left it was 60 degrees and sunny. <laughs> oh, good for you because right now I think today it's a, it, it, the temperature is going to go up to about 22. It's almost a heat wave. It's almost <laughs> windbreaker in Bermuda shorts weather if you get to 32, you know. I know. I know. Well, that's unseasonal even for New Mexico because I'm at a, at a high altitude at 7,000 Oh, yeah, because you, you have a lot of skiing in New yes, Mexico. Yeah, there's too. a lot of skiing yeah. there. And so I, I love New York. You know, New York really, I mean, Pittsburgh, of course, is my first home, and New York is I, will always be my home, and I travel back and forth. And just, you know, as I got older, I just wanted a little more peace and um, serenity, and I certainly found that out there in the high desert in this beautiful natural paradise. Yeah. So... Um, so we should talk a little bit about your um, uh, your education. Like sure. you know, I, I know that you know you don't. And for those authors, new authors out there listening, don't have to have a college degree to write. Okay, um, but we would like to give you some background on uh, Dana's uh, education here because she uh, is involved in the art world, and so she would need some credentials for that. Right. Uh, so I. Um... I was an English major at Northwestern University in Evanston, right outside of Chicago. Very fond memories of that time in my life. And then I went to work briefly at a PR firm after I graduated, a PR firm in Chicago. And, you know, <clears throat> at that time I was promoting commercial products. And I thought, oh, I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life. So I wound up going back to school at night at Northwestern, and I got my master's in English literature. So I've always loved uh, books and novels, and I thought, you know, if I had to major in anything, hey, literature teaches you about life, right? So then I, um, after that, went to uh, Columbia University, and that's where I got uh, a certificate in creative writing, and I did that while I was working in, uh, in New York City. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for those of you who are telling your kids, what in the world do you think you can do with a major in literature? Well, now I think you're finding out you can write a book. <laughs> you can write books. And, you know, it's funny because people – and then I made a full-time living as a journalist, and people say, well, what journalism school did you go to? And oddly enough, Northwestern is known for the Medill School of Journalism – and I just want to say to people out there, there are unorthodox ways to break into journalism. I didn't take one journalism course ever. I was an English major. So, you know, if you have a facility for language and you feel that you have that skill, I'm not saying don't take any courses, but there are ways. You know, if you believe in yourself <clears throat> and you know you have that talent, don't give up. I, I was faced with so many instances, Joanne, of giving up writing this novel because, as I said, it happened over 25 years. And there was just some times when I just, you know, didn't even want to finish it. And um, it was really in 2012 when I just had this huge mystical connection with um, the Magdalene energies, as I mentioned, in the south of France, and I was inspired to really rewrite the whole book with this um, mystical layers. So... We grow and change, and our work changes along with us. And if you believe in something, don't give up. That's one of my big messages. 
Well, good for you, and uh, thank you for for giving that message to um, the new authors out there who might be listening. Um, and so now let's talk about how um, this book, The Third Muse, builds on the award-winning Sojourns of the Soul. Okay. Which, by the well, way, I did read, and I'm not sure how I, why I, why or how I have this book, but I have read the Sojourns. Of you the Soul. have? Wow. Okay. Well, I'm honored. Thank you. Uh, I know you've been a well-known personality, uh, media personality in Pittsburgh for many years, so I'm on a lot that. of writing conferences. So maybe I picked it up somewhere, or someone recommended it to me. Who knows? But okay. uh, I, I, and, and I'm also, um, I also follow mystical things and transcendental meditation and 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 uh, Reiki and all healing, oh. you know, spiritual healing and stuff like that. So that also might be why I picked the book up. That might be why. Well, Sojourns of the Soul, it was a, an urgency that I felt at a certain point in my life. I guess it was about 48. And I had gone on all of these incredible journeys. And I had written magazine articles about investigating the art and culture at these exotic places. And yet at the same time, as you can imagine, I was having so many um, uh, inner experiences and an ongoing inner illumination and growth and wisdom that I gained from going to all of these, um, and I will say sacred sites because a lot of them were, and that's what attracted me to them. I knew there was something there for me to learn. So uh, it was really, I, I say that the assignments were really a catalyst for my own self-growth, and even as a young journalist, I knew that, and that's why I, I worked to get assignments that would take me to places. And so what happened is I wound up delving deeply into the world's wisdom traditions in the various, I chose seven journeys for Sojourns of the Soul that had the most profound impact on me. And um, they wound up being uh, my, my trip to the Australian outback where I was writing about Aboriginal art, ancient, ancient art on, in the, on the caves and the rock art. And uh, then also my trip to Angkor in Cambodia, which very transformational for me given their tragic history. I was writing about restoration efforts at Angkor. And then I also in that book have chapters on Tibet and my stay at Christ in the Desert Monastery in New Mexico, in my backyard now, in this gorgeous Chama River Canyon. My trip to uh, the Peruvian Amazon where I was working with sacred plant medicines. It was really, <laughs> I call that chapter Peruvian Magical Mystery Tour. And uh, also um, a chapter on Egypt where I delved deeply into the Egyptian mystery teachings. So, and I went, you know, I, I shared a lot of what these wisdom traditions were about and what unites them. And really it's all about this journey towards wholeness and self-mastery. And that you know, it's is interesting that um, um, Joyce, the TV evangelist Joyce Meyer has a book. Mm-hmm. And it's enjoying where you are on the way to where you are going. Oh, that's a beautiful title. Beautiful. And uh, mm-hmm. I, as I was listening to this, I thought all these rich experiences, you know, have 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 put you in a place um, to write both of these books. Yes, exactly. And then I could really kind of hone in on one particular mystical tradition in the Third Muse. Because my whole, and you, Joanne, telling me now about your interest, you understand this, it begins to almost um, it, it infuse everything you do, this spiritual seeking, questing, and exploration. At least it has for me. And so 
when I was writing The Third Muse, I was able to go even deeper into this, the mystical alternative, uh, mystical Christian teachings through Magdalene. And Magdalene, to me, is a symbol of self-empowerment for women. She is the self-actualized woman in a body on earth, at least according to texts that say that she did actually walk the earth. So um, that was really the great joy in writing The Third Muse, is that somehow in fiction, interestingly enough, when I compare the two books, the non-Sojourns was a memoir, so it was non-fiction. It was based on my actual experience. Well, in writing fiction, you can, I, I almost feel like the all barriers are, um, uh, how can I put it, all barriers are gone. You can cross dimensions and timelines and the boundaries of consciousness and really go so deeply into exploring universal truths that span all wisdom traditions, really, because they're all leading to the same place, which is to our own divinity in alignment with source or God or whatever word you use. Uh, okay, so uh, we'll go back here, and i got another question for you. Um, and uh, that is about um, what you hope off of readers will gain from uh, from the third muse. I hope readers will, and this includes men too, um, even though I, I really wrote the book to empower women, in this what I call a new renaissance that we're experiencing now where we are seeing the ascendancy of the uh, divine feminine qualities, whereas we all know that, you know, our society has been out of balance for a long time with patriarchal values holding sway. Well, now, you know, the softer, more receptive qualities of the feminine are making themselves known. And we're seeking, I believe, as um, a culture at large around the world, seeking to balance these two energies, which we all hold within ourselves, both the masculine and feminine sides of us. So I hope that readers will be able to see something of themselves in Lena, to see that, um, yes, we are all faced, with trials and tests and initiations, and I chose seven that I believe, and I won't give them away on the phone so people can discover them if they choose to read the book, chose seven universal initiations that we as humans go through. And to see, you know, that we are really powerful beyond measure. And um, I'll just, I remember a quote that comes to mind often, and I believe it's attributed to Marianne Williamson, where she said, you know, it's, um, it's not our shadow side that we're most afraid of. It's our light. And uh, she said, your playing small does not serve the world. There <laughs> is nothing enlightened about shrinking so other people... You know, I was feel. thinking about that this morning. You know, there's yeah. there's some people are worried about the darkness, and but there's so much that's hidden in the darkness. And when you step in the light is when you really get real. You have to get real with yourself. And oh. all the wrinkles show, all the, you know, all the little gray corners show, and all those things that you might hide in the darkness. You can't hide from yourself in the light. Oh, that's a beautiful metaphor, Joanne. That's so true. 
And, uh, you know, we all have those sides. We live in a realm of duality. That's what defines this earth plane, the duality paradigm. So, um, but we don't have to move from one extreme to the other. We need to integrate both sides in ourselves, spirit and matter, the light and the dark, the masculine and the feminine, the sacred and the sensual. We, we have to move beyond that split of separation, which keeps us in a state of need and lack and limitation. And um, that's one of the central messages of, of my talks called Embodying the Wisdom of the Heart, and I draw upon... That's a great, uh, great segue mm-hmm. to other projects that I was going to just get into. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, so I have a talk. Thank you so much for mentioning my event uh, on your show last night. I, uh, Embodying the Wisdom of the Heart, one of my most popular talks. And it's, again, based on my own personal experience, traveling to different cultures and delving deeply into their wisdom traditions and seeing what unites them. And so many uh, of these uh, cultures all over the world, the Tibetan, the Egyptian, the, the shamanic, the indigenous peoples, so many of the teachings are heart-based, have to do with opening and softening and expanding the heart so that we can really activate our true power and purpose and, um, and, and step into all of who we are. It's, real, it's through the heart. It's not through the head. So one of my favorite mantras is drop out of your head and into your heart. And then, oh, that's very good. Yes, and then believe. I, I always say when it, when you have a passion, it goes when it goes from a head to your heart is when it really begins to to gel and materialize. When you can take your passion from your head to your heart. Exactly, exactly, and that is really the seat of our own Christ consciousness, of our divinity. We're all divine beings. We're all masters. It's just that you know, through time we forgot who we were. And now, you sound yeah. to be like me, uh, even though I, I, I don't know what your faith is, but I'm a Christian, but, yeah. but I'm open to world religions. I was very blessed uh, many years ago mm-hmm. as a sophomore in high school to have a uh, parish priest who taught us about world religious religions and taught us to be open and explained how they were synonymous with Christianity in many ways uh, and, and, and uh, or actually built upon it or enlarged upon it. So we can learn so much from all, almost all the religions and faiths of the world. I'm convinced of that. Oh, yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, it's such a great joy and gift to be able to explore them. And they're, they're, they're so intertwined and interwoven. And, I yes, that's been my path, too. Um, so where, so where uh, let me ask you this. Uh, where is this event? It's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Let's talk about that. We have lots of other ones. They can go to your uh, to your website probably to find other places that you're doing events. But this particular one, because we do this this uh, show will be on the front page of pplmag.com, Pittsburgh's first internet radio and TV network. It's one of its many distribution centers, including iTunes and Player.fm and uh, some others. But um, it'll be on the front page. So people listening in Pittsburgh. How and where can they attend your event? It's 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 synonymous with with Valentine's Day for yes. the heart, yes. and the date is Sunday, right? It's Sunday, Joanne, right? And it was time to coincide with Valentine's Day, the day after. It's at Unity Center of Pittsburgh, two hundred one South Winebiddle Street, and um, this is in uh, the Friendship neighborhood. Friendship Bloomfield area for those who don't know right. where Friendship is. And it, um, it, 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 they're kind of synonymous, like right next to each other, basically. 
Okay, and it's from um, I'm doing I'm giving a talk at the service there uh, at 10:30, and then I have a workshop, the main event, which is called Embodying the Wisdom of the Heart, and I'll go much more deeply into some of the concepts I discussed today, as well as sharing practices um, that take you deeper, spiritual practices that take you much deeper into your heart uh, from the world's wisdom traditions. And um, as I said, 12:30 to 2:30. The tickets are $20 in advance, $25 at the door. You can go to unitycenter.com to purchase your ticket or um, if you choose to do so in advance. And um, I'm really looking forward to a very powerful, transformative, inspiring time. I do these talks and workshops around the country. I've been doing them for a number of years now. And I just love, you know, as a writer, we spend so much time in our behind, behind our computers alone in a room and I just love to get out there and meet people and really connect to them heart to heart. Well, if the weather persists in, in, in being at least clear, I hope to attend. So for those of you who are listening who also listen to Positively Pittsburgh Live, you can anticipate having some kind of report on this event on the Roving Pittsburgh segment of our Monday night show. Oh, great. So listen for that. Um, okay, so... Um, and I would say that what you're going to learn there is how to discover the unique gift or transformation that Dana provides through her writing, speaking, mentoring, and healing services. So that might be a good reason for you to attend. <laughs> uh, okay, so now how about this? Especially if you're struggling right now uh, with something, um, you know, uh, I firmly believe, you know, the same priest who taught us about uh, world religions and senior, uh, as a sophomore in high school, I was very close. He was my forensics speech and debate, not dead bodies. He was my forensics coach. Mm-hmm. And he used to say all the time, you have everything God has given you, everything you need to do everything that needs to be done that is your destiny. All you have to do is reach down and pull everything up inside you from your bootstraps. So uh, I have a suspicion that what Dana Dana is teaching you is how to get hold of those bootstraps and pull it up into your heart and go forward. So, uh, oh, that's a beautiful way to describe it. Thank you, Joanne. That's that's exactly right. And I realize that you know I'm I have a lot of different moving parts to my work now. I'm not uh, only a journalist anymore. So I you know as an author I continue to write books and now. Um, being out there as a public speaker, and I also have a private healing practice, as you Your mentioned practice, earlier. Yeah. And I can—I've uh, been trained in shamanic healing and energy healing by a number of well-known teachers. And people say, "Well, but I don't live in New Mexico. It doesn't matter. These healings work in the quantum realm, beyond time and space. So I can do them at a distance. And there's more information about those services on my website, d a n a m i c u c c i dot com. And um, I also have some other fun things I'll talk about at the workshop, um, a mentorship program for women called Divine Life, A Woman's Guide to Your Own True Power, and then a new audio course um, that I call uh, an initiation into the secret teachings of the ages. It's called Awakening the Mystic Within, A Course in Self-Mastery for Higher Living. Oh, my goodness, shades of Edgar Casey. <laughs> okay. He um, was one of my great teachers as uh, he, well. I am a devotee of uh, mm-hmm. of, uh, of the Edgar Case, and as you know, of anybody who has who has watched his prophecies begin to unfold, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, he was, by the way, for those who aren't listening, uh, he was a uh, 
uh, a man who dealt in transcendental meditation, and he was considered because of that. Uh, and not a spiritual prophet, but nevertheless a sort of a prophet or a, a, a transcendental uh, expert. He got messages, you know. Yes. Yeah, lots of books about his his readings. greatest book, the Sleeping Prophet, by the way. Yeah, right. He's he's one of my um, heroes. And there is a Case Foundation that's run by his son, who I think his first name is Jesse, but I'm not sure. Uh, don't quote me on that one. In Virginia Beach. Yes, in Virginia mm-hmm. Beach, which mm-hmm. was is considered to be one of the places that that is uh, is uh, relatively safe from uh, uh, becoming Earth changes. <laughs> Right, right. So is um, the uh, high desert of New Mexico, I believe. I was wondering if that's why you moved there. I knew that, too. (laughs) Pittsburgh's Uh, Pittsburgh's not bad. I mean, (laughs) we're kind of on the brink. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Uh, Well, Dana, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I look forward to reading uh, your new book and and having the opportunity to review it for you and uh, on on, uh, the Author Author blog, so watch for that. Um, uh, Listen in on Monday to hear on the Brilliant Pittsburgh Report. Hopefully, if the weather holds here in Pittsburgh, we will attend and uh, give you a report on that. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for joining me today. It's been truly a blessing Uh um, to to speak with you. Uh, and uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, uh, us continuing. Somehow I you know I don't know about quantum physics, but I know about quantum reality. Sure. And I think that somewhere along the line, somewhere somehow somewhere we're connected. So I believe uh, so too, Joanne. It was an honor to be on your show. I had a lot of fun, and thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. I think it was very you know we definitely got the backstory here. Um, I will spread this around on social media, and uh, if you like like this show, please be sure to forward it on social media to your friends. Uh, by the way, you can follow us on tri- tw- Twitter at Author Shine Out. Author Shine Out on Twitter. Uh, you can link with me on Facebook and tell them it's because of the show at Joanne Quinn Smith. Uh, and uh, you can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn at Joanne Quinn Smith. But tell me it's because of the show because I really don't connect with people that I don't know or want to know. So give me a reason. Give me a reason to connect with you because I would love to have a reason to connect with you. Uh, how about you? How about your social media stuff? I, and I know you have other people do your social, some of your social media, but how right. can they connect with you on social media? Yes, people can go to my uh, Facebook page. It's an author's page. So if you just put in Dana McCucci in the Facebook search bar and then put author after my name, you'll see uh, all of my posts and my upcoming events. That's pretty much my events page and, you know, some inspirational wisdom as well. And I'm also on LinkedIn, and you can follow me on Twitter. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for listening. Remember, we are always looking for resources for authors, um, people that maybe you, you, you write about publishing or perhaps you're a publisher or you're a copywriter that has some some good information to give out, or um, if you're a journalistic teacher, whatever you might be, and you have some wisdom to for our authors, we also interview resources, um, and we interview, of course, uh, uh, new and budding authors. So um, thank you uh, for listening, and if you would like to, and I'm going to give you, because I have so many shows and so many websites, I'm just going to give you my PPL mag um, and just uh, – 
Uh, if you'd like to be a guest, just uh, uh, email me at info at pplmag.com. That's info at p like Paul, p like Peter, l like love, or positively Pittsburgh Live mag.com, and just put in there author, author, interview request, and uh, I will get back to you within 48 hours. And uh, be persistent because I'm busy. I do a lot of stuff. And the reason that Dana's here today is because she was persistent. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to ask that. You really do need to do that with most media people, honestly. You know, that's just like because we're we're all very busy. You know, so so that's a a way of encouragement because you – encouragement. And I think actually – one of her publicists, uh, uh, Yvonne uh, Phillips, has been talking to me about you for months. But then you reached out, and I said, "Oh God, I, I promised Yvonne so long ago." And oh well, so. <laughs> thank you so much. I, I'm just thrilled to be on your show, and I really hope I get to meet you on Sunday. I, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again for joining us, and thanks to thanks to our listeners because you know the bottom line is, if a tree falls in the forest, does and nobody is there to hear it, does it really make a sound? You know what? It does make a sound. But thank you for hearing our tree in the forest. We're so delighted that you're listening. (laughs) Thank you, Joanne. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.